Welcome to the Chapter 49 podcast. My name is Larry Lannon. I'm a volunteer for Chapter 49 and a retiree. Chapter 49 represents most IRS employees in the state of Indiana. I'd like to once again welcome you to our podcast. We're very glad you chose to join us. I'm producing this podcast, so if you're watching this on video, that's why my eyes are going from left to right all the time, trying to be the producer and also host it. But I couldn't do the podcast without my partner, Duncan Giles, the chapter president for Chapter 49. Welcome once again, Duncan. Good to be here, Larry. And yeah, that's what I tell people. They're like, you do a great job on the podcast. Say, so my butt just has to show up. Larry's got to do all the hard work. Yeah, and it's a miracle we get this thing on on the air. <laughs> but we somehow we do it. My some of my equipment's hanging by a thread, but by gosh, at least it's it's working. Uh, one thing about Central Indiana, Duncan, and we are going to have, I believe I'm correct on this, our first eighty degree day of the year tomorrow. And uh, I always welcome that. Yeah, it's it's like I said, you know, you don't like Indiana weather, wait 15 minutes, it'll change. And Uh, unfortunately, yeah, it's going to get cooler (laughs) as the weekend, after the weekend, but that's okay. We have a nice weekend. We don't have that very often. At least it's been a very cool spring up to now. Now we either go very cool or we go very warm, but I'll I'll take the warm weather. I kind of like the warm weather. I want to uh, just uh, take a point of of personal privilege at the beginning of this podcast as as a personal note just for me to anyone listening or watching, had uh, some very sad news yesterday. Someone I had worked with at the IRS uh, many years ago who uh, worked for 17 years, I believe, at IRS, and then decided to go out on his own. He was an attorney, an enrolled agent, and was very active in teaching uh, tax for Purdue University. He was also involved in a lot of the state organizations, Uh, dealing with people who do taxes professionally, to teaching and instructing there as well. The man I'm talking about is Chris Pohl. And Chris Pohl passed away on April 15th. Kind of unusual that that was the date where he passed away. But uh, it's very sad. I I attended uh, uh, the uh, calling and uh, the the service that was uh, done, the memorial service that was done uh, yesterday, which would have been uh, April 21st. So I, I just want to express my uh, deepest sympathies to his family, also to, to Ina Pohl, who was known as Ina Deaton before the two of them were married. And uh, Ina survives. Uh, she's a retiree. She worked at IRS many more years than Chris did and ended up retiring from the service. Uh, so I knew Ina very well, knew her really from the time I started at IRS in 1983. So our our relationship goes back that far. So um, my sympathies to the family. Chris was a good friend, uh, someone I had called upon for help on occasion, and he was always there for anyone who wanted help. And uh, and so I just wanted to mention that uh, it was something I found out about yesterday and found out soon enough to be able to go and, and actually attend uh, the memorial service. So just a word or two about a couple of people. Uh, Chris Paul, who was unfortunately gone, and Ina, his surviving spouse, both people who— uh, Provided terrific uh, service to to the federal government for many years, and uh, just wanted to mention that again. That's a point of personal privilege to people I knew very well. Yeah, it's one of those things. It's always sad when people we've known, be it uh, through work or personal, have passed. And you know, my condolences to you on the loss of your uh, friend and former coworker. I did not know him uh, because he came in. Uh, he left before I came in. 
but uh, it, it's never easy. And let's uh, go from that to the issues of the day that we have to talk about here on this podcast. And we're going to start where we started the last few podcasts, the vaccine mandate. The vaccine mandate was a big deal. Then uh, we had a court decision, went to the appeals court. We waited many weeks for an appeals court decision. We have the appeals court decision, which says that uh, basically boils down to this. The president has the right to invoke a, a vaccine mandate for federal employees if the president chooses to do that. So we now have the decision, but... The way that appeals court decision was written, it remanded the case back to the trial judge in Texas. And we've, uh, as a service, the Internal Revenue Service and other federal agencies have held in abeyance all the the, uh, discipline that was proposed, all the reasonable accommodations that have been filed. We are still holding all those. So, Duncan, really, uh, the vaccine mandate is just as paused now as it was before the appeals court ruling. Exactly so, Larry. Yeah, there was another appeals court ruling uh, this week that centered on the vaccine mandate as well, and the appeals court upheld the president's right to do this. So right now we're still in a holding pattern until it works its way through the system, uh, the court system, and then goes through OPM, uh, the Office of Personnel Management, which basically gives guidance to all the federal agencies, and then down to IRS. So We don't know what the implications of this will be for sure at this point, Um, but we just are in a holding pattern right now, and I want everybody just to be aware of where it sits. Yeah, and as long as it sits there, Duncan, I think it's it's kind of a double-edged sword. In one way, it's nice that if you have discipline that's been proposed, that you don't have to worry about it for now. Of course, if you have a reasonable accommodation, though, you, you still don't know where you stand on that. And, you know, if you want to fight the discipline, you don't know where you stand. So in one case, it's nice that nothing is happening. On the other side of that coin, you know, we'd like to have some answers. And we, we still don't have many answers, do we? Yeah, I, I think a double-edged sword is very apropos analogy because we just we don't know anything at this point. So all we can tell people is to sit tight. Uh, we will, of course, let you know as soon as something does happen. But right now, there just isn't anything that is going on. And speaking of staying up to date, let me put in a little plug here. Uh, if we had uh, several hundred people who followed or liked our NTEU Chapter 49 Indiana Facebook page because of some technical issues with uh, Facebook meta, however you want to describe it, we had to uh, do away with that. So if you followed or liked our previous Facebook page, Go back in again, look for it again. We have a new one. The old one was disabled, and people are starting to come back and like and uh, follow our new Facebook page. It's got, you still use the same phrase to to look for it NTEU Chapter 49, Indiana. You can search on Facebook and find it. The old one should be disabled by now. And if you're having trouble finding it, Contact Duncan Giles, and Duncan will send you a a link uh, straight to it so you'll be able to find it again. So that's how we do our best job of updating you as quickly as possible. Of course, we also do it on this weekly podcast. Moving on, the next issue we've talked about umpteen times on this podcast, it's COVID testing. Uh, COVID testing is, we're still negotiating over this with the management, 
but it's kind of reached a very important stage. And I'd like you to, to update us on the status of COVID testing within the IRS. Yeah, basically, from my understanding at this point is uh, the parties are exchanging proposals and counterproposals. The bad thing is, is because IRS has delayed their response to actually giving us their plan for too long, that they're planning on implementing this on April 25th when they bring back the majority of their uh, supervisors, managers, executives into the office. So they'll be having to be post-implementation bargaining, um, which means that we'll be doing it once they've already started uh, the testing, as it were. Now, they are only planning on testing in areas of the country if your county is in a medium or high risk area. So we're just waiting for those, um, you know, there aren't, thankfully, at this moment in time, as I say this, there aren't that many uh, of those areas in the country right now. With the variants that are going on, that could change in a day. But as of this moment, there aren't any. And so we just need to, um, again, uh, be mindful of what's going on, waiting. And then once um, bargaining unit employees start to come back, hopefully we'll have most of this ironed out. And it should be noted, and we've talked about this before, and just to repeat ourselves again, and since we're going back and talking about an issue we've talked about before, but as a reminder, the whole issue of testing was supposed to only apply to people who, in fact, are not vaccinated, which is a small percentage of the IRS workforce, but still can be hundreds or thousands of people in certain places. And uh, we still don't have a system, and that's part of what's being negotiated, I would assume, as to how we determine who is and is not, in fact, vaccinated and what, uh, how do you define fully vaccinated? Yeah, that's, that's the fun part as well. Um, one of the points that I've made to several executives and to NTU National is the fact that the CDC does not use the term fully vaccinated anymore. They use the term up to date which includes uh, boosters, because if you have not been vaccinated for quite a long time, over six months, then the chances of you being having COVID and being able to spread COVID are much, much greater. So we don't know if that'll play a part in any testing, anything of that nature for those uh, for those folks. It's just, it, it, you know, this this is constantly evolving because of the fact that the science, the more the more we go on, the more we know. And so the more we learn, the, the better we can adjust to attack this, to try and really just put it uh, you know, into a flu-like system as opposed to a COVID-like system um, in, as soon as possible. Yeah, and I think it's uh, important to keep in mind that, and you mentioned this before, people listen and watch our podcasts throughout the country. Here in Indiana, at this point, as of the time we're speaking right now, there are no medium or high-risk areas in Indiana. There are only a few nationwide. But, Duncan, you, you made the very important point. Could change tomorrow, could change next hour. So we're only telling you what we know now, and uh, just be prepared. We're still waiting for... Uh, the contract that is negotiated over testing. And once we have that language, we'll know a little more. But the big problem is that's going to be post-implementation bargaining, and that, that makes things more difficult. It's going to be 
rolled out before we have a contract. Yeah, it's um, this shouldn't have gotten this far, to be honest with you. If you know, I understand the IRS was grappling with how to implement a, implement testing, who to do it on, how it was going to be done, problems finding a vendor to be able to do the testing, things of that nature. I understand those are issues, but you know, having it this close, saying okay, now we're finally ready to do this having it this close to when folks are starting to return back to the office, ending the evacuation order in the phase one, uh, you know, it's just senseless. Let's go to another COVID-related issue. This is social distancing. Uh, We've talked about this before. I think in our previous conversations, we've said, for example, if you go to a call center like the one in Indianapolis, you'd almost have to have uh, one cubicle empty between two people to have the proper social distancing. However, you're hearing from your brothers and sisters in NTEU at some of the service center campus locations that social distancing does not seem to be going very well. Tell us the status as you know it of social distancing as the management is rolling this out in various parts of the IRS. Yeah, especially in the sites that do submission processing, which are down in Austin, Texas, Ogden, Utah, and over in uh, Kansas City. They have said that they're having trouble doing social distancing because of the fact that they need, you know, they have to have these people in close proximity. Plus the fact it's only for people that, you know, are unvaccinated And they don't, you know, people that they're bringing on don't seem to be concerned and aren't concerned about wearing masks. And this just, to be honest with you, blows my freaking mind. Um, Because it's, I I really love what the IRS is saying. Yeah, we, we care about the health of our employees. We really care about the health of our employees and the safety of our employees. And it's like, when it's expedient, they do. I can tell you right now that national NTU and your local NTU chapters, including Chapter 49, absolutely care about the health and safety of employees, period. Not when it's expedient, not when it's not going to cause a problem. Are there going to be issues with with social distancing? Absolutely. But, you know, if they said, well, you know, these new employees, these new hires that we're trying so hard to get, you know, they don't seem to care about social distancing. Okay, if they say it's okay to have a gun in the workplace, is that okay too? Um, you know, it's it just, it makes no sense to me. And we need to keep in the forefront. And I can tell folks that are listening and viewing this, that National MTU is absolutely doing this in their discussions with IRS. The health and safety of the employees that are here is right there at the forefront. And, you know, if IRS is saying to you that they're the ones that care and, you know, if there are any holdups, it's NTU. If there are holdups, it's because NTU wants to make sure that people are as safe as possible and stay as healthy as possible. Let me ask you this, Duncan, especially when you talk about service center campus locations. How does this pressure IRS management is under to get the paper inventory worked? Is that pressure having an impact on social distancing and safety in these workplaces? You would have to believe it has to. Um, You know, IRS is under tremendous scrutiny from the public and especially from Congress to get their paper inventory down. And, you know, that's why we've had these surges 
teams that are out there. And that's just, you know, like rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. It's, it's not doing much good as we told them they wouldn't. And if they'd have come to NTU national beforehand, we might've been able to help them out. But instead they waited until the problem got so overwhelming that no amount of surge teams is going to help this process. And they want to do the hiring. Well, if you're only able to offer folks $15 an hour and they can get more of that, their local fast food place, I understand the benefits are better. I understand the leave situation is better, but a lot of folks don't understand that. They understand that money talks. And if we can't offer the right amount of money, we're not going to get the hiring we need. And that's been shown so far. Um, the IRS is trying to hire. I will give them credit. They absolutely are trying, but it's like trying it with uh, one arm behind your back. It's, it's not going well. And they're, um, you know, they're bowing to outside pressure, which I understand there's a lot of, but you know, your health and safety of your current employees should be first and foremost in your mind. Let's move off of COVID for a while. Uh, we've had enough of that. I think for one podcast, yeah, please. <laughs> um, but we're going to something that may also be very interesting. And that is Microsoft teams. Microsoft Teams replaces Skype as a communications vehicle for internal communications at IRS. Um, there are a couple of issues with that. Uh, I think what's important to know is that a meeting is a meeting, whether it's in person or on Microsoft Teams. And there are very special rules for certain formal meetings and NTEU's participation in those. And uh, I think that's something, you know, union people know and managers are supposed to know uh, what a formal meeting is. Explain to, to people who are watching and listening who might not be as well schooled in this, what is a formal meeting and why is that important to employees? Yeah, it's under a statute that is commonly called a 7114. Uh, and so it's called a 7114 meeting. It's a formal meeting. And what a formal meeting basically is, is, is it called by the manager? Are there one or more employees? And is there a formal agenda? If that is the case, then that's called a formal meeting. And NTU should be invited to those. What we've heard happening, I haven't heard of it happening in Indiana, but I've heard of it happening in other parts of the country, is that now on Microsoft Teams, managers will you know contact everybody and just say, hey, just want to have a brief discussion or a brief talk about, and then talk about subjects that are you know, germane to what's going on in the service or talking about change in working processes or procedures, things of that nature that absolutely come under 7114 and make it a formal meeting and we're not being notified. So management needs to do a much better job and IRS at the national level said they're going to address this to make sure that these types of pop-up meetings on teams don't happen. There's something else I know you want to talk about when it comes to this Microsoft Teams. You know, people have been accustomed to dealing with Skype. You have a Skype meeting, it's over, and it's in the past. But there's something about Teams you want people to, to understand. What is that? Yeah, basically when you're Skyping in a meeting or on a one-on-one -on -one conversation, because Lord knows I get a lot of people Skyping me every single day, and we have, you know, one-on-one -on -one conversations if they have a quick question or something of that nature. Once you're done with that conversation, it goes away unless you've screenshotted it or something of that nature. With Teams, 
that conversation never goes away. Let me repeat that. Never goes away. So if you've gone in and, you know, had a conversation with somebody on teams one-on-one 10 days ago, you go back to that conversation, you go back to have another conversation with somebody that is going to pick up where it left off. Now, why that's important is because people can have access to that. If need be, management can have access, TIGBA can have access, things of that nature. So it's something very much to keep in mind, um, you know, that don't be thinking that once you have a conversation with one-on-one with somebody on Teams, uh, that it's going to be gone forever once you're done with the conversation. And that's good to know. And I guess uh, that puts a little different angle on these meetings that are on Teams. The the fact that it will be a permanent record, it will be there and it goes up in a cloud kind of computing place where there you, know, you can think about limits and, and even like, for instance, telephone conversations that were recorded and toll-free only were on there for a certain number of weeks or months or whatever. This stays on there in that cloud, which I, I mean, everything has limits, but the cloud has so much capacity, it'll stay up there as far as we know forever. So people, when they're talking in these team meetings, you just need to be aware of that, right, Duncan? Exactly. And a lot of people have convos on these on Skype right now. You know, you'll reach out and have a convo with somebody or even during a meeting, you know, having side conversations, one-on-one, that sort of thing. You know, not a problem. That's great. But just realize that once everybody has switched over to Microsoft Teams, and that's happening sooner rather than later, that this is going to be out there forever. Well, as we return to the office as an agency and employees return to the office, uh, one thing that uh, with a couple of aspects of telework that we want to talk about, one aspect we talked about extensively in a previous podcast that has to do with your eligibility uh, for telework. And as people who maybe had not had an eligibility for telework are now beginning to apply for it, some are in for a rude awakening. And I think we, we talked about this before, but I think there's some aspects of that you want to emphasize on this podcast. So once again, go over this whole issue of being suspended for AWOL and what that means to your access to telework. Yeah. If you, again, uh, this is not something that the IRS is imposing unilaterally, anything like that. This has been around for over 10 years. It's the uh, Telework Act of 2010 from Congress. And basically what that says is if an employee has been disciplined for over 40 hours, so 41 hours or more of AWOL in a year, if they've been disciplined, not that they've had it, but they've been disciplined for that, then as long as that remains in your official personnel folder, you're ineligible for telework. For something like an admonishment or a reprimand, that can be up to two years. If it's a suspension for AWOL for more than 40 hours in one calendar year, that's in there indefinitely. That means that you are not going to be getting the ability to telework. And, you know, that's what's taking, I think, management in a lot of places so long right now is because they're doing these checks. They're wanting to see if there are people who have had these types of discipline so they don't go ahead and tell them they can telework and then say, oh, whoops, sorry, you're not eligible. We're going to have to yank you. So just want everybody to be very aware 
that this is out there for those that have had a lot of AWOL in the past. As we talked about before, there are a lot of jokes out there about, you know, this being on your permanent record, and it really isn't. This is something that's on your permanent record, that official personnel folder, OPF. Um, that is, it's, if it's in there, then that limits your ability to be able to telework if you've got that suspension uh, related to AWOL. So um, important to know that, and it's a statute, and if you think it's a bad law, and a lot of people do, we need to go to Congress to get that done. Another aspect of, of telework that I'd like to ask you about, um, when you want to telework and, and, and you need to, to, to get that agreement done with your manager, you submit the telework form, and management has 20 days to respond. It's 20, I think, work days, if I recall correctly. Um, what happens if you don't hear anything after those 20 work days? Yeah, what our concern is, is that if you don't hear anything after that 20 work days, then basically management is going to be saying you don't have a valid telework agreement, so you're going to have to come back to the office. And what's happened, what we're hearing in a lot of parts of the country, is that management is wanting to make sure, especially with uh, folks in TAS and especially in accounts management on the phones, that they have their regular meeting dates. And they want folks in the office on their regular meeting dates, which legally, contractually, they can do. Understandable. Not a problem. But they've rejected an awful lot. Instead of being a, you know, doing a quick correction on a telework form saying, okay, you're, you can't have a telework day on Wednesday because that's going to be our group meeting day. Okay. Instead of making that correction, they're sending them back and saying, send them back in blank. Okay, the choice to telework is the employees. The choice of days they want to telework, unless management needs them in the office for something specific, team meeting, training, etc., then it should be the employee's choice on what days they want to telework. So we're very concerned that if these employees don't have their telework agreements in and approved by May the 8th, that they're going to be subject to be called into the office because that's going to be the days that folks who are not eligible to telework are going to be called back in to start working from there. All right. So very, it's very important to know that you need to make sure you get that telework application in yesterday, basically. Yep. And, um, and if you do have difficulty, maybe you don't get the answer after 20 work days, you get a response that doesn't seem right. That's when you need to talk, if you're in Indiana, to a Chapter 49 official yourself or someone in, uh, within your uh, within working with you in, in, in Chapter 49. And if you're in another part of the country, contact your local chapter and uh, see where you go from there, correct? Absolutely. Yeah, reach out to your chapter sooner rather than later so we can look into this and try and figure out exactly what's going on to protect your rights. Speaking of, of reaching out to your chapter... There seem to be certain parts of the country where people have been hesitant to contact their local NTEU chapter because they fear that management is going to uh, come back at them. There's this fear of retribution from the management if someone exercises their right to contact the union. And you can, you, you just request, uh, what usually, the way it usually works is you request from your, uh, Union official a chance to meet, and the union official tries to work out the the time for you to 
uh, to be away from work so you can have some time to discuss an issue with your union official. There should never be retribution for that. That is an absolute right legally and contractually for anybody working in the federal government that's in a bargaining unit. But there seems to be a fear of retribution. You want to say a word or two about that, Duncan? Yeah, I've talked to a lot of folks across the country, uh, chapter leaders, and this is uh, becoming more and more prevalent, where especially newer folks that are coming in that don't understand their rights, they've been here a year, two years, three years, are fearful that if they talk to the union about an issue that they're having either in general or with a manager specifically, that they could be retaliated against. And, you know, it's incredibly frustrating for union officials, because if we don't know something's happening, if we don't know something is wrong, we can't take the steps to try and fix it and to correct it. Um, I can tell you in the state of Indiana, uh, we had this type of issue many, many, many years ago where there were some managers that would, um, you know, try and retaliate against employees who did come to the union. Uh, once a few of them got stomped on with both feet of mine, which with my weight doesn't feel good, um, that, you know, we've basically not had that type of an issue. Employees know that they can come to the chapter and talk to us. And that should be the case everywhere across the country. Sometimes grievances, if it has to go that route, do take a while. But the more the pressure is put on a situation where there is either, uh, a bad actor as a manager or a situation that needs to be corrected. Um, you know, we need to have everybody's voice in that. So don't ever hesitate. I want to tell every employee out there watching, don't ever hesitate to reach out to your chapter, uh, to stewards, the chapter leadership, the chapter president to talk to them about any potential issues because we can help. And if management tries to do something to you, because you've gone and made us aware of the situation, we're more than happy uh, and eager, I would say, in most cases, to jump in on that as well. Well, now, Duncan, one thing you could do, one thing you can do just to be merciful is come down with one foot rather than both feet. That would take all the fun out of it. I don't get much fun in this job, so jumping in with both feet when somebody, when a management official or executive does something really wrong, is part of the joy of my job. As, so Duncan has no mercy when it comes to those kind of things. Uh, okay, Duncan, about out of time. Uh, final comment from you. Yeah, I just want to uh, take a moment to, again, thank all the folks out there for busting their butts every day. You know, we're here for you. NTU nationally, NTU locally is here for you. We back you. We're here to help you. So if you need assistance, don't ever hesitate to reach out to us with something that's contractual, or if you just have a question or an issue. I can't tell you the number of times or issues that I deal with that aren't contractual, be it questions about insurance, questions about leave, questions about just about anything. We're here to help you and make your job life easier because we know how much you're busting your butt and doing a great job at it, and you are appreciated. You know, one thing that's happening, this tax season has been particularly difficult for employees of the IRS and really for everyone. Uh, the taxpayers have certainly uh, had a difficult time contacting IRS by phone, uh, getting their uh, queries answered by mail. It's not the, the fault of the employees. It's just a lack of funding. 
And the Treasury Department at the tax deadline made it clear to Congress that uh, as long as IRS is underfunded, this will continue and probably get worse. And uh, basically, IRS needs two kind. I mean, funding in general, particularly number one, staffing. And Duncan's already touched on this a little bit in this podcast, but also information technology updates. IRS technology is so far behind almost everyone else that that funding is is, is desperately needed. And I do think that uh, with all the work that people do at IRS, Duncan, as hard as we work when we're behind the eight ball with not enough staff and not enough support technology-wise, just makes this job much more difficult for everyone, and it makes it difficult for the taxpaying public as well. Yeah, it's it, this job is tough enough. We don't need those extra impediments to try and help us along. Yeah. And that's Duncan Giles, president of NTEU Chapter 49. And uh, he and I have uh, do this weekly podcast, the Chapter 49 podcast. Uh, we talk uh, every week. We're on both video and audio find the video by just uh, searching on YouTube for Duncan Giles. There's more than one. Just find the one with the Chapter 49 podcast on his video feed. And you can find uh, our audio podcast on just about any platform. Just uh, go ahead and search under Podcasts by Larry Lannon, L-A-N-N-A-N. If you like the podcast, think other people might have uh, uh, get something out of it, please feel free to uh, Put that link forward, and Duncan Giles will send you a link every week when we have these podcasts, both video and audio, uh, as we produce them. So thank you again for watching and listening. Please be safe and be kind. Be kind.